No holographic billboard in my eyes. No new false promise realized and magnified by no new models pretending to wear my size. No new sales hoisted each week on the mast of my inbox. Discounts on the thin socks. Letting me win, not. Instead, let's be real. Once a day or less, don't steal my attention or manifest tension like an anti-masseuse. Reveal like Dr. Seuss. No holographic billboard in my eyes. Yes, my window clear of flyers. Yes, Pinocchio-like liars transformed <laughs> into honorable friars. Don't tell me the chocolate heals me. <laughs> Despite Aaron briefing me on this poem, yeah. performing it for me before the episode so that I wouldn't laugh or get too... Why would you laugh? It's a serious poem. Mm. It's the style just brings a lot of joy to me. Right. That being slam poetry. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, there's you're not there's no one here for you to compete with, but you still were trying to make the trying. punches land. I've been trying to, you know, not speak so monotone because mm-hmm. I do have a podcast. You do. So, hey everyone, welcome back to Solo Scene, the podcast where every week Aaron starts us off with a poem that kind of introduces the topic. We're currently in a semester on sustainable fashion. This week, we're going to be talking about advertising. It's not a ghost. My poem kind of closed by referencing a classic Silver Age episode of Spongebob, which I think is called Chocolate with Nuts or something like that. The one where Patrick and Spongebob are going around selling chocolate. And the moral of the story is basically don't lie when you're trying to sell things. Mm -hmm. And it's such a strange message for a kid's tv show when you think about it like i know there's a lot of shows about honesty mm-hmm. but this was like honesty and advertising yeah it was very specific i feel <laughs> like the writers that week had a a very specific vendetta maybe they were trying to teach a lesson with so today we're going to start off by talking about the advertising that worked on us kind of a, a personal <laughs> tell all i suppose i thought that poem kind of led you in nicely because you are always following for chocolate advertising campaigns right I've been indoctrinated, really. Yeah. Once. Indoctrinated. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I definitely am a sucker for advertising, as they say, mm. because I'm a very empathetic person. And that's like the number one rule of advertising is to like create empathy towards the product. And when you think about it, like it's inanimate. There's no like yeah. actual moral. Do you mean you fall for the Christmas commercials? Yeah. Fall for the Dawn soap. Oh, with the birds. Yeah, right. exactly. But it's like when you think about it, buying this bottle of soap is just putting plastic in into the environment. It's not going to save a bird's life, despite what they may be. But we're focusing on clothes. We are. Yeah. So tell me about an item of clothing that you were suckered into buying. <laughs> Should I do the garment of the week? Sure. I think so. If it leads in. It does. So when I first got into sustainable fashion, I was new to it. I didn't know all about the intricacies of how deep people could go with greenwashing. And when I was looking into it, when I began, I watched a lot of YouTube videos about sustainable fashion and they were all sponsored by... Everlane. Everlane. (laughs) And so I was like, sweet, it must be a sustainable company. You go on their website, their motto is radical transparency, and you're like, sweet, sweet, sweet. So I bought a lot of things from Everlane when I started my sustainable fashion 
journey, you could say. But then I slowly got into the the knowledge of, okay, a company can be 100% sustainable environmentally. Mm-hmm. So the factories they use could perhaps process all their wastewater. They could be low waste, all of these things. But it doesn't equate with human ethics. Like they might not actually pay their workers a living wage. They might treat their workers really poorly, use slave labor. So that's the thing with Everlane. If you go on the good on you rating, you would expect based on how prolific they're in the sustainable fashion space that they would be have a really high rating, but they really just have a middling rating. Maybe just explain good on you for the listeners. Yeah. Good on you is a aggregator, I suppose, a website and you go on you type in what brand you're looking for and they rate it based on i think just four like one out of four sort of things Mm -hmm. like good bad really bad very bad or something yeah terrible no good yeah it's like the rotten tomatoes of sustainable clothing maybe it is yeah and they do really good work and they look into like they leave no stone unturned sort of thing and if a company is really good at maybe covering their tracks they just automatically get a bad rating it's like if there's no information they're not going to just give them a good rating. It's like, you should have some information. Because it's more likely that if they were really exemplary, they would be shouting from the rooftops. Exactly. So that's kind of part of the thing with Everlane is like, they don't exactly like, we don't know for sure what they do wrong, but they definitely leave some, some gray areas. And yeah, they're better than most places. But that leads me to the garment of the week, which is... A black button-up shut yeah it's called the lantern blouse okay so this is a product that not just the greenwashing i i mean i say that kind of loosely because as i said like everlane's not the worst but someday if they sponsor us we'll have to really yeah we'll have to consider that delete this episode yeah (laughs) (laughs) but i mean we'll get into that later of sponsorships and stuff but anyway the lantern blouse is just a black v-neck button-up blouse like about as simple as it gets Mm mm-hmm and because of that, you'd be like, oh, it's simple as it gets. Why would you like go out of your way to buy this? Especially like at the time, I bought this probably four or five years ago. I wasn't really wearing a lot of button-ups. I was in university. I feel like I was just wearing a lot of t-shirts more than anything. But I saw this featured in a YouTube video. And then I was like, oh, that looks really nice in that person. And then I went to the website. And I was like, I won't fall for it too quickly. I'm going to read all the reviews and see what people think of it. And there was this one review that was like, this shirt has changed my life. Like, I wear it all year round. It's so cool in the summer. It's great for layering in the winter. I have it in every color. They were just going on and on and on about this shirt. And I was like, I need it. And it was probably not inexpensive. I can't find the price of it from the time because it was years ago. And if it's still on the website, it's probably double the price now. You know what you could do? What? Check your email. I could. I do delete my emails, though. Oh, see, I never do. Yeah, you should. It's good for the environment because they're stored on a server somewhere. Anyway, the lantern blows. Just like so basic and simple. And it's like for me to have at the time spent probably like 40 or $50 on this. It's just like really it was just the marketing and that review that made me buy it, I think, more than anything. Okay. So this is maybe, I mean, you talked about good on you and Everlane and the greenwashing potential, but it sounds like you're just a sucker for what could be the equivalent of just an anonymous comment on the internet anywhere i am you will fall for it yeah youtube comments could have been an everweight employee themselves could have been a bot i know <laughs> that's quite worrying yeah 
Like, I am the target demographic for most marketing, I think. Like, I could just... <laughs> and we were at a market yesterday selling our clothes. Yeah. This is the thing. We're both really bad with marketing our own things. But we were at this market, and I was telling you that when I go to these craft fairs and things, if the person selling the goods is nice to me, like, I genuinely will sometimes spend, like, $20 just because I feel, yeah, it like, may- indebted to them. It made me want to put you on an, o- on an allowance. like i'm getting better i just like don't bring money to things but yeah it's like i'm very susceptible to marketing and i want to know about you i feel like you're slightly less susceptible to marketing than i am well i had this quote that i thought could kind of i was going to open the episode with it but then i thought it'd be a bit weird to open a solo scene episode with it that's why i kind of thrust that on you um but it's by an american critic called john lar and he wrote society drives people crazy with lust and calls it advertising and the reason I'm mentioning this is because, one, I think it's impossible to talk about fashion in 2023, especially advertising, without mentioning that a lot of it is sexually provocative. Mm-hmm. To put it truthfully. To put it truthfully, yeah. I mean, yeah. we don't usually talk about that on Solacine, but that's like, how can you talk about clothes without talking about the way they're sold and the bodies that they're put on and whatever? But then I was trying to think about which ads, campaigns, or like styles of brands that I'm kind of that I fall for my current self mm-hmm. and I don't think there's any that I am exactly like infatuated with or a sucker for like you perhaps and maybe that's because you know to bring it back to the market example I would take a kind of pleasure in not mm. <laughs> not following for the the salesperson and not giving them anything in like leading them on and then leading them on and, and then, then saying oh away. by the way I'm I have no money yeah can I just have the, can I just have it yeah. Um, but anyway, something I realized that was that often what will prompt me to want to buy something, prompt me to want to spend, is ads for women. Mm. Women's clothes. Interesting. Yeah. And it's not because I want to buy women's clothes, because I would I would then buy men's clothes, presumably. Yeah, from that brand or from a yeah. similar brand. So and it's not sense. that I get driven into like a like a like a a mating frenzy or whatever. <laughs> I know it's weird. For one thing, I'm already married, but also it's just, I don't know. I think it's something about that. Like, I think that's why, and I only realized this when preparing for the episode. I think that's why there's so many magazine covers with women on, or no, one, one of the reasons sense. anyway, like you walk through the mall and you'll have like Victoria's Secret or whatever it is, mm-hmm. you know, with big posters of women or not even in lingerie, but maybe like American Eagle or something like it's mm-hmm. going to be predominantly women on the posters And for one thing, it's because they're marketing to women. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a stat. It's like 53% of fashion spending is women's clothes. Yeah. Uh, That was as of 2018. Men's is 31%. The rest is children's. So there's quite a discrepancy there. But so I think it, obviously it's like we're selling to women. Mm -hmm. But I also think there's an angle of it where it attracts men. And I don't know if this works both ways because I, I think men from my, from my like, primitive understanding of it are more visual so i don't think women mm-hmm. would be as enticed by seeing men on posters but maybe they are no, that makes a lot of sense actually i never thought about that yeah, me neither. but it's like you'd see a poster of someone that you're attracted to and then you would want to dress to impress exactly them. i think and that's exactly what it is you dress to impress the models yeah that's really interesting and also yeah as you're saying it's like the women will then go in and buy them but it also will attract the women to go in and spend money be like oh i want my boyfriend to look like someone who would date that model like, yeah I feel like it or, goes or also around. the guy who's on the 
poster. Like, yeah. I do think it works that, you know, that way to an extent, mm-hmm. but I just realized that when preparing for the episode. Yeah, that's an interesting observation. Probably in another episode in the semester, we'll talk more about like the gender dynamics of it, mm-hmm. just because I feel like otherwise we'd be beating around the bush too much. It's true. Um, but then to answer the question a bit more directly from my past, the ad campaigns, like there's multiple from when I was 12, probably like 11 to 16, when mm-hmm. I was really watching, as I said uh, in a previous episode, watching football, soccer intently, playing intently in teams. So I saw what other people were wearing and that kind of thing. But multiple ad campaigns by Nike and Adidas that I just remember. Like I was the prime uh, candidate for those. There were websites I would just, you know how people wake up and they check like Bloomberg? Yeah. I would wake up and check there's one called soccerbible.com mm. and they would just talk about new boots or wow. cleats and things like that. Like new collections, new um, jerseys, like football shirts. That's something that still interests me. You as well though, you're gaining an, appreci- an appreciation for the fine art of the, the football shirt. I do. It's my goal someday to design one. Yeah. It'll be for like a random like Brentford or something. Brentford, but right. I will. I want to <laughs> design a football jersey. But do for you think maybe maybe next week a fun thing to do would be that we rank different sports uh, <gasps> uniforms by yeah. so, by Solisinus or something <laughs> Let's like do that. that. But anyway, so going back to the football boots. So to those who are maybe uninformed, and there's probably parallels in other sports, but mm-hmm. in football anyway, the brands will have. There isn't just like one Nike boot, for mm-hmm. instance. They have different lines, or as they call them, silos. Silos. So usually it's four. So there'll be like the boot for the classy player, the one for the fast player, the one for the powerful player, and the one for like the controlling player. So it's like one for touch, one for speed, one for power, and one for just like like being classy. Yeah, like Pokemon. Grass type, fire type, whatever. And they all have names that are kind of attuned to those. Like the the classy one is called Tiempo. For instance, so like they take from different, uh, I don't know, different cliches, I suppose, mm. different connotations. And uh, I remember, I'll just detail one campaign. It was in 2013. And often they're also timed for big tournaments when they know that eyes will be on the the players, right? Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, in 2013, there was a, it's an international tournament, but it's not a massive one like the World Cup. It's called the Confederations Cup. I think it's since been just done away with. But um, this is really boring. But there was like a, a prominent Brazilian player called Neymar. You know Neymar. Probably people know. Is he a yeah, household name? I think Neymar is like pretty close to a household name. Is yeah. the Solacine demographic? How well does that like align with people who know Neymar Jr.? I don't know. Let us know. Yeah, let us know if, if you know who Neymar is. And bonus points if you can name his current club. Ooh. But anyway, we'll leave that for next episode. We'll reveal. Yeah. <laughs> um, and th- so there was this new line, new silo that Nike was revealing. It was called the Hypervenom. They always have cool like compound names like that. Mm, cool to a 12-year-old cool boy. Like air quotes, to a yeah. 12-year-old boy, you have to think about that. <laughs> uh, or 13. And the so it had this crazy like spidery font. Okay. Whereas like some letters were just elongated and really angular. And the campaign was they were just sending these boxes to all their like prominent athletes, Neymar mm-hmm. being one of them. And the boxes all had like a timer on them. Yeah. Okay. And the players were like posting on their IG like, oh, what's this? And it was back when I thought that the players were just doing that themselves mm. and that they actually just received these boxes in the mail. Yeah. Anyway, long story short, they were cool. They were like orange and black. Uh, they had a skull and cross- crossbones on actually. So you really fell for that one. Yeah, I fell for that one. Yeah. I have a couple more things that I fell for. So like the first one is greenwashing, as I said, like. 
I still will basically be like, have the item in my cart and be like, should probably dig a little deeper and then dig a little deeper and realize it's just produced at the same factory as Sheen or whatever. Yeah. But then my next one is repetitive postering. Because if I see a poster up enough, I know I might be not like one of the few people who are like this. Even if it looks like something I'm not interested in, I'll still look it up out of sheer curiosity. Pell-Mell being one of them. There was this singer who released an EP when we first moved to Montreal. Yeah. And this man just had posters everywhere. And I was like... Shout out Pell-Mell. Um, yeah. <laughs> I guess that's kind of a solo scene tactic as well. Yeah. Just spam posters and people, people, people get tired and they're like, fine, I'll listen. Exactly. And then the third one is the wellness industry, which is probably one I'm most sucked into at the moment. Right. Of like supplements and like skincare and things. I mean, as of... That's not really fashion though. No, it's not. But as, right. of, uh, as of recording, we have a salt lamp. We were <laughs> going to try and find a way to squeeze into frame a yeah. Himalayan salt lamp. Mm-hmm. So I guess we're both Yeah, we're both in that industry. That. I think I would also like to talk about probably a devoted episode, skincare and yeah, makeup at that, some that's point. fashion. When else are we yeah. going to talk about that? So that, that'll come up. But I yeah. did have one conclusion about the, the football boots because, for instance, they'll have like the speed line which is, mm. it's a race to the bottom, kind of like when phones were like, how thin can they go on yeah. MacBooks? It's like, how light can they go? And I remember uh, Adidas was like, oh, we have a 99 gram boot. What? Yeah, like crazy, crazy light. And um, they're always like revealed on a plinth and it'd be like spinning or something like that yeah. as if it's like this, this golden chalice. They do not make you run faster, mm. but the ads make you think that they do. And they'll show like Messi running past someone or Mbappe running past someone. And it's like, <laughs> Mbappe's boots being light aren't the reason why he runs past no, players. No, I don't think but so. But the thing is, they make you think that. And something else that I experienced is that they make you feel that when you wear them. Yeah, like that's like, the most interesting thing. You feel faster and you probably are faster when you wear them. Mm-hmm. So that kind of is, is an introduction to me to the placebo, placebo boy, that's my nickname, mm-hmm. uh, effect of advertising and how sometimes it can maybe be used for good yeah, or at least not, not a negative thing. Yeah, I think it, it definitely can be like the wellness industry is the biggest example of that, that comes to mind. But we often talk about like dressing for success, dressed for who you want to be. Yeah. And I think that definitely has a real impact on how you behave and how you think about yourself. Your confidence mm. is a big part of why we wear clothes. Yeah. So I think it's okay. But... I think in marketing, the companies need to be responsible for this. Like they can't, like in Canada, it's illegal to make false claims. Like any like concrete claim needs to be backed by several studies. Yeah. And like, obviously those can be fabricated first and they are for some things, but it's changed quite a lot even in the last 10, 20 years of like claims because like Adidas probably 20 years ago could just say, these will make you faster. Yeah, I think now they have to use, you know, it's like a beginner film student. Now they have to use some montage techniques. So instead mm-hmm. of saying that, they'll just cut between Messi and a leopard mm-hmm. running really fast. <laughs> or just have him holding a goat. Yeah, saying, I'm not saying he is the goat, but he, he holds he's holding a goat. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> like Ronaldo with his goatee. Um, another kind of angle of marketing that I guess I've, I fall for a little bit, but not really because it's not so much the brands. And I don't know if you, I don't know if aesthetics count towards this, Mm. but it's just like crispy, I guess, Ivy League or prep. There's a bunch of different names for this, but old catalogs from like Ralph Lauren or 
or J Crew of people standing around on a college campus. <laughs> Those kind of get me. Or on TikTok, they call it old money. Yeah. So I think it's it's quite funny how these marketing buzzwords get uh, repurposed and uh, updated on different platforms mm -hmm. for different generations. I suppose you'd say. Yeah, for sure. I think I think it's definitely part of it falling for aesthetics because brands use that. I think it's probably always been around with the internet definitely makes it exasperates it a bit mm. of okay maybe the, there's a cottagecore community and they start promoting a brand like oh this like cider brand they really do really cool clothes that are cottagecore but then that brand will then say we are cottagecore we are the cottagecore yeah. it's like a cycle do do cider brands make clothes no cider is the name of a clothing line oh i didn't know yeah okay i thought it was just like a no, this sorry, weird that crossover weird... that I didn't realize, like people wearing merch for their apple cider. Um, well, think about Wimbledon. You know, mm -hmm. like the ball kids. Everyone feels classy. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's why I was kind of getting out with the placebo. It's like it doesn't have to be performance related or athletically, but you feel different wearing a polo shirt to wearing a t-shirt, even true. though they, they're pretty much the same on your body. But one will make you be like, oh. I'm going to go catch the tennis balls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of merch, I think we should also share a word on that because... That's not like brand marketing. It's more, I don't know, IP marketing, but it's a similar, sometimes I, I feel the allure of it. And I think this might be because one, I'm just quite a shy person and two, you know, society is is atomized in all the ways that we talk about on Solar Scene so that it feels like a shortcut to meeting people. If yeah. you wear a, sh a shirt or have a tote bag representing your favorite independent bookstore or whatever it is, mm. it feels like, people will then fuck to you and say, I buy books there as well. Yeah, But definitely. I don't think they do that. But maybe it signals to them anyway. Yeah, I mean, especially if you were like intentionally, like you're meeting up with someone on a first date or like you're meeting someone for the first time and you wear a shirt that's like your favorite podcast and then they, like, we don't have shirts. I'm not <laughs> trying to plug anything. And then it's like you're kind of putting a feeler out there. I think there yeah. has to be some pretense because I don't think I've ever gone up to someone and been like, whoa, you shop there or you listen to that. I don't think I've ever done that. I think I would. Yeah. If it was something really, really niche that I was into. Mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes even you'll be, I'll be wearing a Barcelona shirt around that's and sometimes true. someone will say, go Barca or something like that. Yeah. That's you know, true. there is something, there is something to it. Mm -hmm. The sports. You once bought me a Nintendo Switch shirt. Did I? Yes. Don't you remember that in, the, in university? The red and orange one. Oh weird yeah it's weird i think I, we've evolved quite a bit <laughs> yeah because um uniqlo they also have collabs probably mm -hmm. not the most sustainable fashion company right there but uh they have collabs with different ips and i think i had a I had a splatoon shirt you did have a splatoon one it was purple yeah very like man child core mm. no offense to anybody currently wearing a splatoon shirt but yeah if you're over the age of, no i'm not gonna say that <laughs> check yourself um and then the third kind of marketing ploy that i wanted to to mention was something that we discussed this week which was the stranglehold that hollister american eagle and arab postal i think is how you pronounce it had over our respective middle schools and maybe all the ones in nova scotia maybe all the ones in canada north america the western we world know. i don't know um the universe i think i think middle schools have moved on past that but during our time it was uh, and probably for the decades before like the logo mania was out of control it was wild i'm like every single day for probably a year or two i just would wear a t-shirt that had one of those brands on it you had and, them? like skinny jeans yeah 
all secondhand, right. mind you. <laughs> but I did have them because from a young age, I was a thrifter. You could that say. kind of thing, <laughs> which I, I guess I'd call brand for the sake of brand because yeah. they were just regular were t-shirts. Yeah, they were kind of ugly. They and also ugly. they were just... Like they were just t-shirts. There was nothing yeah. remotely special, not sustainable, not like I'm guessing extra comfortable, extra durable, nothing. It was just like t-shirts. The same as the ones that I used to wear from from Walmart or the plain ones that you get from H&M. You know, if it just has a seagull on it, that doesn't... In fact, I would often kind of reject those kind of things because mm-hmm. I had a weird preference for, for plainness. Mm. But you were telling me also that the stores are pitch black on the inside. What's with that? I think... Hollister in particular, it was pitch black and reeked of like whatever their house brand perfume was. And it did not. I didn't know they they made smells. They did. And it was like all those marketing techniques of stories of like play loud music, play upbeat music. It was like all of that to like the most extreme. Confuse people. Like you wanted to get out of there. You walk in and they just spin you around five times. Basically. Buy something. Yeah. (laughs) And they were really like on top of you. And yeah, I think the darkness is to make you be like, to just kind of make mistakes and maybe then have to like return stuff. Because you said your mom did that, right? Yeah. Yeah. She bought me a coat and she's like, I thought it was red. I know because I really hated wearing pink and I still don't love wearing pink. But she was like, I'm sorry. Like, it's hot pink. Yeah. I really thought it was red in the store. And I was like, that's okay. (laughs) But But that's how how dark it was. But neither of us are brand or logo fiends, I would say. No. And I think it's because... As I say, brands for the sake of them, they don't really work. But if it if it feigns some kind of technical expertise, that's mm. when I'll get interested. Yeah. Like Arcteryx or something. Mm. Like that's when you'll be like, oh, I need to do that so I can go camping. I guess that's something that's also kind of programmed to me a little bit. Mm. And then we kind of talked about big campaigns, but a stat I had was that affiliate marketing is increasing 20% each year in the fashion industry. Yeah. So it's like more and more companies are just devoting their money away from the traditional, I mean, traditional in air quotes, because online marketing hasn't even been around that long, but away from print, obviously, and away from, you know, wider online online campaigns and more just paying influencers. Yeah, absolutely. That's most of their marketing budgets these days. So why do you think that is? Well, as someone who studied marketing in university. Yeah. I also saw the stat, take it with a grain of salt, that affiliate marketing has an average return of 12 to 1. On it's the wild. I mean, I also do that for a job, <laughs> so I'm not the the marketer, but I connect people. And yeah, so I studied marketing in university, and they were like, "This was kind of right when it was taking off. Like yeah. it was it was a thing, but they didn't have much research on it yet because it was a bit early on." And they were saying, "Traditionally, the most trustworthy person is going to be your friend." Yeah. Like, you'll always trust your friend's opinion. If you're going to go buy a new set of pans, you'll ask them, say, like, what's the best pans? Maybe even more than you'll trust Gordon Ramsay's. Absolutely. Right? Like, maybe even more than I'll trust Neymar, I'll trust some smaller scale football influencer, right? Yeah, or just, like, your friend. And then the influencers are in between because, as you know, when you are watching a YouTuber every week, you feel psychologically connected to them and like they're your friend our brains can't differentiate very well yeah between reality and like what we see on the screen so it's just like cutting out all the middlemen and going straight to your psyche basically and saying this is your friend hitomi who's recommending that you get better help and then you get better help mm. something that's really interesting to me as well is this phenomenon of we like to think that all those people are sponsored Mm-hmm. But there's probably a lot of people making YouTube and TikTok videos 
advertising brands that aren't being paid by the brands mm -hmm. that just do it in an aspirational way. Like, or maybe one day I want to be paid by the brands, but for now I'll just make this video about my Everwayne haul and yeah. hope that they sponsor me. So That's they're getting like kind of free advertising. Like you turn yourself into a billboard is what people mm -hmm. always say, but this is to another level. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's a good technique for influencers to build like brand recognition with their community and say, look, this TikTok got a million views where I featured your thing. Uh -huh. And sometimes brands will pay them like, what's the word? Not Just give them gifts. Yeah. And like they'll pay them after the fact or they'll say, okay, cool. Now I'll sponsor a video. But maybe next week we can talk about one of the most traditional methods of fashion advertising, the magazine. Ooh. Maybe the death of the magazine, the potential revival in the solo scene. Mm. We have zines. Also, if you like the podcast, <laughs> that's a pretty good like segue. Yeah, Buy is. our zines. They're linked in the description of the episode. And there's also clothes like the ones you can see behind me. And yesterday, yeah, we went to a market for the first time and that was a fun experience. Yeah, it definitely it was, nice. was. We'll do a few more and... If you're in Montreal listening, you can follow <gasps> us on Instagram and you can maybe come and see us. And we yeah. would like... I don't know. Do we do that? I would be happy to see people. But I mean, would you put on Instagram? We're going to be here. Yeah. Know. Okay. I'll see why not. Sure. We'll discuss. <laughs> um, I had a, a, a few notes. That's why I drew that little dude that I showed you before we mm. started recording. You can describe him for the audience. He's a, a man, but it looks kind of like his hands and feet are both feet. Yeah. He looks a little bit like Gumby by accident. Um, it was just notes I had about ways that potential solar sites people rather than on a structural level like we talk about after can kind of deprogram themselves uh i think using the body as a kind of model because the body is what the clothes go on and it's also the answer maybe to 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 stop falling for the affiliate marketing evil schemes oh. and there was this quote that i read on i think it was episode three by rick owens it said about how working out is a new couture and, you know, don't buy clothes, go to the gym and said, it's, it's along those lines. Um, I just kind of think if you feel happy and healthy when you look in the mirror, I'd say with no clothes on, then you'll be less inclined to fall for marketing that says, buy this to feel this or buy this to look this way, right? Mm -hmm. Cause you're coming, you're kind of starting the, the bargaining from a position of strength, I guess. Yeah, it's a weird way sense. to put it. So from the top down, starting with the the hair, the hair, which looks a little bit like worms on my drawing. Mm. Um, I just had the note that maybe a good way of feeling nice about yourself is with your hair. And I feel like this is less, you know, that won't be sold to you so much because it's part of you. It's true. So maybe just change your hair up or something like that. Yeah. And I think something it also shows you is, this sounds pretentious, but like the all the almost infinite potentialities of the individual i.e you can look like a hundred different people without having to buy anything That's try and bleach true. it try and shave it get bangs curl your bangs straighten your bangs who knows <laughs> what cut it yourself do some fun stuff like that yeah. customize cool um and then going down to the the eyes the eyes this one is about discernment Ooh. and i think it means kind of honing your gaze like an artist one so that you can see through you know false promises in advertising you're like wait a second you're just cutting that footage of the athlete with a leopard he's not really running <laughs> that fast and it won't make me run that fast but also you know literally looking at the product and saying this actually doesn't look that great when you take away the smoke and mirrors 
maybe working at your own clothes and kind of falling in love with the details so that you are more feel more of a sentimental connection maybe to the things that you own that maybe sense. maybe that's not a good thing though i don't know and then going down to the mouth the mouth for me i always weigh up when i'm shopping which isn't doesn't happen very often but if i have something in my hands i'm like i could buy this i always weigh up would i rather spend the money on food mm-hmm. and it's not from like a a real you know financial struggle as in i can only afford one of these it's a little bit more like would I just prefer to have this, the weight of this in chips or in potatoes or something like that? And it's funny because it's, this is not advice, but it's just like my own, mm-hmm. I guess it is advice. Forget that, it's advice. Um, but it's opposite to the advice that my parents always gave me, which is that if you have money, you should only ever spend it on things that you can hold. Mm-hmm. Like they would always say about food, you know, like if someone blew like, like my sister always used to waste allowance on like snacks and stuff. Mm-hmm. And they would always say, well, what do you have to show for it? But I think food like makes you feel nice. Maybe it's because yes. I'm I might be technically a food addict. I don't not sure we're about not that. Sure on that one. Yeah, yeah, we're not sure about that. Jury's out. Um, but I just think sometimes why wear like really nice clothes instead of just getting a really nice smoothie? Mm. Pretty much whatever your nutrition goals, I think everybody like it's possible to spend more to have nicer versions of it, kind mm-hmm. of thing. So yeah. like, why not just do that? Why not just get the really nice oats? The next thing moving down to the hands, which look like feet. <laughs> um, it says do things. And this means put umbrella theory into action mm. and just always be more concerned with what you do rather than how you look while doing it. And then moving down finally to the feet that look like feet. Yeah. And this just says go places. And I think it means like on a wider level, when you travel, you see different styles. And on the one hand, it kind of punctures the apparent significance of fashion but it also reinforces it in a weird way like yeah, it, I, think I think it makes so. you it makes you fall in love with it a little bit uh and from a, a a smaller scale leaving your bubble of everyone on my campus dresses like this everyone in my office dresses like this and so you can kind of get a little bit more variety and not fall into the mold also i forgot one thing which was in the middle which is posture yeah, posture is really great. Because I think in the solo scene, everybody has good posture and neck posture, which is what most people neglect, I think, because mm. we're always typing. It's true. So I had a little bit you of... You wear a- the clothes, I don't wear you. <laughs> <laughs> you wear the clothes. And they don't wear you. Yeah, that'll be like this semester's content, but... No one's I'm- content. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I had a little bit about the psychology of advertising as well as laws. So... For psychology, I said that at the beginning that it's building empathy towards a product or service to help you become more inclined to buy or use it. So just keep that definition in mind when you are being marketed to. And for advertising laws, I think this will segue into what the solo scene yeah. will be for advertising. But existing ones say you can't mislead or even just like be cheeky about it and leave a general impression like you can't technically legally do that. Lots of people do. Um, You can't have like performance claims. This is kind of new, but it's like you can't say, obviously like the shoes will make you faster, but with any health products, you can't say this will change your life or like this will change your skin Okay. because it's a lie. False testimonials are not allowed. So you can't have like a pretend doctor or a pretend influencer that's actually paid by the company. 
which is obviously impossible to discern and probably impossible to prove in court if you were charged of it. Made in Canada claims are made anywhere. Like you really have to substantiate those and brands don't always. And we often see it'll say like designed in Italy, made in China. Like it's, they really, they'll follow the rules, but it might be in the tiniest print inside the pocket where it says made in China, but the Hmm. label will say designed in Canada or something like that. Yeah. But that's not, that's kind of skirting around the rule. What about animated dragonfly mascots? Are they legal? Those are allowed. Okay, yeah. good. I was Except thinking. in Quebec, you're not allowed to advertise to kids under 13. What? Period. Yeah. I guess that's good. I think it's good too. And I think our dragonfly... But how do you, de- how do you determine whether, who they're advertising to? It's, it's like the the programming, I'm pretty sure. So it's like you couldn't... On Nickelodeon, it might be fine because the kids watching that are over 13, but you couldn't on like Treehouse Channel. Yeah. And you probably couldn't in like a kid's play park for under 12s, mm. but you could in the museum. Yeah, I wasn't putting up any posters there anyway. Yeah, but I thought that was interesting. And the rest of Canada, it's fine, except for if it's on one of those kids' channels, it has to abide by. There's a whole separate marketing act for kids' marketing, which I think is good. <laughs> yeah. So in the solo scene, I just had five notes, five broad notes for the advertising, what it would look like in our beautiful, sustainable, tactile future. My first note is that the advertising itself is beautiful, sustainable, and tactile, or at least more so than it is today. Because so many things, when when they come to me either online or I just pass them on posters or whatever it may be, my first thought is that's ugly. Why would I want to why would that make me want to buy it? I'm not even talking about the product, mm. but just the design of the ads. So I think sometimes, well, all the, all the time, they look nice. Yeah, I think so. They look nice. Because, I mean, if you have to have this ad in your space... At least make it look nice. At least make it look nice. Yeah. My first thing is that there won't be many, if any, digital advertisements. Mm. And they'll all be physical or otherwise. Tactile. They'll probably be, yeah, like there'll be more posters, more billboards, honestly. Like, not, there'll be limits. That's my fourth right. thing. But I think right now we rely so much on the digital, but we could be a bit more, it's in a newspaper or whatever. And I think that's more soul yeah. scene. Well, we talk about the magazines coming back next next week. Mm-hmm. Full billboards. Hmm. Maybe just like those bus stop ones. Yeah, I do like those bus stop ones. Yeah. Billboards, I think they can ugly fire up a road that's quite true. quickly. If we had a solo scene billboard, what would be on it? Just the dragonfly. I would like, no PNG dragonfly that yeah. you doodled. <laughs> and I bet that would look really good blown up to mm, 50 times. Absolutely. Life size. My next one is word of mouth, as I mentioned earlier. But I think in the solo scene, it will be a bit more... You'll have to because you won't be having ads at the time. So it'll be like, I actually don't know what type of socks to get. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I like the idea of having to ask people. Yeah. Because now it's almost redundant. Yeah. It's I, almost like <laughs> if someone asks me... Oh, do you know any good backpack brands? I would kind of look at them and say, why can't you look? Why, yeah, why do you have exactly. to rely on me to do it? But it would be nice if we actually did rely on each other for those kind of nodes of information. Mm-hmm. That would yeah. be neat. And my next one is, I like in like the olden days, you'd go into the store and be like, what's the best oats you got or whatever. Yes. And this is a bit of an idea, but it's that each commodity, at least commodities, are represented by a co-op or like a union. And so they're all together. It's like, Dairy Farmers of Canada, which I really used to hate, but now I like the Dairy Farmers of Canada. No, I mean, this is <laughs> this is how it was for most of 
uh, industrialized history, mm-hmm. I think you'd had you'd have guilds. Yeah, you had your your blacksmiths guilds, your farmers guilds, you know the the cobblers guild, whatever it is. Exactly. So they're not competing, but they're like working together to empower each other. I think that's a very soul-seen idea and will help alleviate the marketing stress. So you mean you want to have like Apple versus PC? Yeah. You want to have that kind of thing? It'll be like the computer guild. The computer guild. Mm-hmm. I feel like I wouldn't like that guild so much. <laughs> uh, my second point was safe spaces. Okay. I think if we just had sanctuaries to keep our minds clear, I know there are places that advertising isn't allowed, but if we expanded those, mm. and I guess as you uh, mentioned, making digital ones, because right now the internet is just like, Pop ups everywhere. Yeah. Most websites suck. Mm -hmm. Because of that. Because of ads. Yeah. Also, what about those ads that follow you around? What's with that? Oh, I don't. You go on one website and then it'll be that product that you maybe clicked on just following you from website to Mm -hmm. website. Yeah. None of that. No. Maybe that's something to do with those cookies that none of us know what they are. I think that's to do with cookies. Because it's like a trail of cookies. I think that's mm. what that means. Huh. I don't. I just made that up. Um, also, I think honesty, transparency. Mm. What I have written down is here's what the thing is. Wouldn't this that be is nice? What it is. Just yeah. say here's what the thing is, and I think that that demonstrates a kind of faith in the products. Because I think the best companies will just put it like that, or the the companies that actually are happy with what they make will mostly just do it like that. Like yeah. um. Patagonia kind of does that. Yeah. They just say, that's the fleece. You know what it looks like. You know what it feels like. Um, I guess that's something that we try and do for like our clothes and zines. Mm -hmm. Just say, it's here. Here's what it is. We're really happy with it. We think they're really (laughs) nice. Uh, Buy one if you want. Kind of like those, we always talked about those small websites that have the the, like alpaca farms on. And they'll Mm -hmm. just say, look at these mittens we made. And they're really excited about them. Yeah. But I also think regarding transparency, in some ways in the solo scene, maybe having even more engagement with the brands, as mm. in, you know, maybe not checking soccerbible.com every day to find out which which shirts and boots are released, but why not have a, a Nike emissions website where you can check what's going on? Yeah, That's and it won't be as wasteful. So like maybe things are going to be out of stock a lot more. So you have to kind of check in with them, message them, say, hey, like when will this be in stock? Or yeah, but like that. I also, I just meant in terms of the the actual functioning of the company. I see. Like, you know, those, those sustainability brands are like, this came from our sheep called Lawrence. Mm-hmm. And then you know that. Yeah. But it's, it's a little bit gimmicky when it's like that. But I think it could be more transparent. Like literally just have a live stream of... The farm. Yeah. That's kind of neat. Well, maybe not the whole farm, but at least see the sheep roaming around. Yeah. And there's, you know, there's that Bo Burnham sketch where he talks about how in the modern day, people are always like boycotting their snack company because they didn't support their social cause Mm -hmm. on Twitter. It doesn't need to be like that. But if it's a closed company, wouldn't it make sense to know what they're doing with their their fabrics and such? That would be a neat addition and it's also kind of a a free advertising for these companies because it's not like it would cost a lot to do it's more like the customer opting into it and then i have the note of more psychologically robust buyers Mm -hmm. so that people don't fall for the big poster with the personification of the government pointing at you or in your case everlane you know targeting you or whatever it may be yeah and i you know my 
my visualization for this in the solo scene is akin to the shift from children's programming to adults programming where ads for kids like ads for toys are ridiculous because they're so sugary so colorful upbeat music people acting silly but ads for adults you know they're more mature they're slower they're a bit more subtle with their like psychological tendrils Mm. but in the solo scene it'll be like another level of okay we know you're not babies yeah like that Unfortunately, I do think this is going in the opposite direction. That I see more adults programming starting to resemble more and more kids programming. Yeah, like rapid and just like yeah, really rapid, well, really so wild, exactly and wacky. Yeah. yeah. And then the last point is just local, because that's what's cool. And I think more and more that will become, like that will just keep becoming cool, eco, because people will realize that there is no in- individuality to be had in a big corporation. Even if it's vintage Nike, it's still Nike. Absolutely, yeah. And I think people, you know, people really do like those tote bags with the bookstores on. Mm-hmm. And it's because the bookstore, there's place to it. And people have a yearning for place. And so I've seen that yearning will be fulfilled. Absolutely. Okay, well, that's all I had for this week. What I was going to quote Macklemore at some point during this episode. Do you want to end with that? Um, what does he say? He says something about, just listen to his song, uh, the one about, consumerism okay that's our souls and recommends for this week listen, listen to, to that one more. song okay i don't know what it's called okay <laughs> bye everyone bye <laughs>